Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Coat Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast. Proudly, I'm sure, brought to you by the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. Uh, I'm Dave Etler. With me today are John Pianta. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Elizabeth Shirazi. Hi. Kylie Miller. Hey, y'all. And Tarek Karam. Hey, everyone. Uh, Kylie, Tarek, I've watched you two interact before, so fair warning to our listeners. <laughs> sparks may fly. And not good sparks. <laughs> I think... I think Kylie is the steel and Tarek is the flint. So it's not like we're not talking about fireworks. We're talking about, you know, Clash of the Titans. When you said that, I imagined like the brake drums on a car that have been worn out and you're still trying to stop that moving car from crashing into something, but you can't and you just see sparks flying everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's a train wreck. That's kind of what it's like. It's an apt metaphor for the show anyway. So we'll just keep that. But we'll see. We'll see. I do have some uh, listener feedback to start off the show with today. Let's uh, let's do that. Thanks for another great episode. You're welcome. I really enjoyed your interview with Ian Drummond about his new podcast. I also liked what you said about how physicians and scientists are beginning to realize that they should engage in public discourse and that podcasting is akin to a democratized, asynchronous public radio. Thanks for the continuous encouragement and inspiration to your listeners, like myself, to find our own voice and illuminate the issues that we deeply care about. On a separate topic, it love to hear an episode about inspiring primary care physicians. Doctors that care for patients with complex diseases longitudinally. These physicians are often outside of society's spotlight, as their work isn't a heroic response to illness, but rather an incremental approach to disease prevention and healing. First of all, that was uh, Polyus. He, he, he has a fair point. We are awesome. I was thinking about the, uh, the idea of having a show about um, primary care and primary care doctors. I would love, do you guys have any suggestions on who we should have on such a show? Like, if we were good to invite doctors on the show. Oh, man. Because there's so many good ones out there, and I don't, I don't know them all by name. Are we including, like, internal med in the realm we of gotta, primary care? Potentially. Um, yeah. Got to get Paul James before he leaves. He, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the, our, head of, our head of family medicine. Okay. Get him before he leaves. He's awesome. Okay. Where is he leaving to? He's going to Washington, I believe. All right. You know, from one of the best family medicine programs to uh, the best family medicine program. Low key. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, He's no big deal. I mean, uh, he only like led the panel that created the most recent recommendation and actually evidence based recommendation about how to treat hypertension. All right. How cool. cool. Who else? I think if you invite somebody from a local clinic that works in primary care that's not in the hospital, give okay. a little bit of contrast. Okay. So we could probably reach out to some, some people who are, uh, you know, participating in the early clinical experiences program, or mm-hmm. to uh, family medicine, uh, uh, you know, clerkships outside of, out of outside of family medicine here at the hospital. Or rural medicine, that'd be rural cool. Rural, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I I have a couple of people that I could ask who would be great to have on the show. All right. Last semester, my early clinical experience was in um, family med, kind of on North Liberty, so even not very far from. The hospital. I mean, you can get here in 15 minutes, but because they're kind of taking more, on, they're taking on more rural patients coming in towards the city. They do a lot of like 
She does all the OB care and lack repairs and fracture care, things that people just don't want to drive the extra 15 minutes to get to the ER for. They stop at the family med clinic. So she's definitely even got kind of a more breadth hmm. on the practice. Okay. I will uh, I'll set, I'll set something up. I think it's a great idea. Thanks, Polyus. Appreciate that. There are uh, many ways to fail in biomedical science. Uh, there is uh, failure to get results. Failure to get published. There are failure to replicate the results of others. In fact, there's a struggle going on right now uh, to sort of come to grips with the fact that 70% of researchers have tried and failed to reproduce another scientist's experiments. And recently, the Reproducibility Project from the University of Virginia tried to meticulously repeat five landmark cancer studies, basically the thing that we all go, oh, this is how we should treat people with cancer, and could only confirm two of the original findings. Uh, factors seem to include things like making results appear neater for publication, so, you know, things like p-hacking and oversimplifying and, and <laughs> things like that. <laughs> of course you're going to... Of course, Kyle is going to laugh at Kylie. Yeah. To make, uh, it's basically to make 100%. results appear more clear and robust. There's funding bodies that prefer results that are important, uh, in quotes. <laughs> uh, namely, all of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> findings that appear like big news, like, oh, we're curing the world. Kind of or do. bacon causes stomach cancer. Give yeah, me a it's break. So, it's so weird, right? It's so weird. The things that we latch onto, the things that the media or, or that... The publications themselves latch onto as being important, or chocolate. Yeah. Oh, coffee. Anytime coffee shows up, coffee, wine, bacon. What else? There's a huge sex. Probably. I don't know. I haven't. There's we, a huge we... lunch meat story. Yeah, the lunch. Yeah, meat. yeah that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's why I was bringing up bacon. Uh, Any yeah. cured meat at all. Those deli yeah. meats, man. Listeria. Mm. Oh well, that's Get different. They'll kill you dead. Listeria. <laughs> listeria is dead. no good. You definitely don't want that. Um, institutions uh, often measure success by the number of grants you get and the dollar amounts in those grants. Papers published, um, the amount of money you bring into your institution is, a, you know, sort of an important measure of your success. And and reproducing re reproducing other people's work doesn't doesn't really bring that that money in much, as far as I can tell. No, no. Like but it's so important the, doing the science, right? It's so important not, not to I be mean, jaded or anything. <laughs> I brought in like a whole $17 coming into this institution. You guys let me put my facts out there on the podcast. So <laughs> you will. <laughs> I bought my way in, I'm sure. See? See how valuable this is? Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes uh, failure, get, it, failure itself gets you somewhere you didn't expect, and it becomes in itself uh, a revolution. I was reading uh, uh, this week about the inventors of Integra. John, I bet you know. Uh, quite a bit about this because you this is something that interests you um, uh, the artificial skin that revolutionized the treatment of burns in the 70s and after meeting pediatric burn specialist John Burke in 69 MIT material science scientist uh, Ianos Ianis Ianis good god he's from Greece <laughs> uh, felt compelled to try his hand at making a substance that would more quickly close burn wounds and the goal I gather was to uh scar more quickly basically to seal burn wounds so that you know people didn't get infected and 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 die quickly um because because uh, at the time people with extensive burns just died i mean it wasn't there was no effective treatment really we tested a bunch of different combinations of substances from plastics to collagen and each sort of failed to do anything 
you know, noticeable in animals. But the collagen one sort of seemed to work in reverse. It seemed to slow healing down. And, uh, you know, instead of going, well, that's a failure, that didn't work. Um, he's, they sort of took a closer look at it and realized that what was happening was that new skin was growing. So it wasn't scarring. It was creating, it was helping to facilitate the creation of skin. Yeah. I mean, this, this, that's the story of science though, right? I mean, the, the discovery of antibiotics as we know them, penicillin was an accident. Like, oh, wow, this is growing on my dish. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a clear spot. Funny, around I, it i said I'm that pretty in my sh- kitchen today too <laughs> yeah 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 and who knows have, how many things and you've when discovered. you wa- yeah. and when you washed it you just got rid of the the next big antibiotic jeez how selfish of you <laughs> yeah that's me so i think he was going away for vacation or something or going away for a weekend and like was like you know what i'll just take care of this one this is going to be a future this is going to be a future me future problem. Future me problem. It's good to know that scientists <laughs> and, are people just like us. And then, and you know, and put them in a sink or whatever, and then came back and was like, wait a minute, this is covered in bacteria, but there's fungus growing in these spots and there's no bacteria around it. And that happens like all the time, uh, stuff like that. You know, we accidentally discovered a lot of very interesting things in medicine. Yeah. I want to, um, I want to play a quote from this video that was on this article. As I always do, I'll, I'll post a link to this article on our show notes at theshortcoat.com. Uh, but I'm going to play this quote because I'd like to know what you guys think about how it dovetails with the previous discussion or the previous thing about, you know, the funding and papers and all that kind of stuff. So, To younger faculty, I would say, go where the ignorance is maximum because that's where you're going to discover the gold. What is meant by this is that many young researchers go where everybody else is doing research. And basically they add an incremental piece of value to what has happened before. I would go where there already is no value established by others because no one has tread that ground. What do you think of that advice? That's a hard road. It is. It is because you've got to have somebody who believes in you to and help you out. There's so much independently that I think you would have to do too. I mean, probably part of the pull of going to institutions that are well established is to have that network and that support and the opportunities that are kind of already paved. Whereas if you go somewhere where there's not, you know, anything pre-established, that's that's on you. And I think that takes a certain type of person. I think there's probably levels though of what's established what's pre-established no one says you have to go and build an institution on bare ground and start there you can just find an institution that's willing to let you stray a little bit outside the norm with the potential of being able to produce more than what you would if you were to just kind of put those blinders on and just do what's already being done i did research for you know a couple of years and i got to work in two different libraries one of them that was kind of just doing the same system of what we were doing or what was being done in the field and we actually had a hard time getting grants for that reason because it wasn't novel and we also worked in a laboratory where we were doing novel work. And we also had uh, trouble getting grants because people didn't think that it was either worthwhile nor that it would be as fruitful. So it's difficult both ways. And unfortunately, at the end, in both laboratories, we had to go by what would give us a grant. Otherwise, we're not doing any work. Yeah. So That's, that's tough. Yeah. Well, and again, I mean, and not like it's so hard to predict after the uh, before the fact what's going to be useful. 
um, that it's, you know, it, it just becomes a real folly. I mean, who would have thought, you know, oh, this fluorescent jellyfish protein. Yeah. I mean, that that's going to be really important, you know, to basically all of biology research, you know, or my classic example is from math class. Like a lot of people remember reading, like learning about imaginary numbers, the square root of negative one. They're like, what, what are we going to use this for? I use that almost every day. I don't know why people are complaining. <laughs> but but <laughs> what, you, the thing is... Are you referring to your MOHD test score? <laughs> what, what? Negative, <laughs> negative one. Oh, God. So the, the reality is you're listening to this podcast on a device that would absolutely not be possible without that knowledge without the knowledge of that you know we wouldn't know we wouldn't understand alternating current we wouldn't understand uh semiconductors we wouldn't you know and but but no one would have going into this been like oh let's rigorously define a square root of negative one to be some other number and then we'll use that and we'll be able to you know create an entire technological revolution from it Mm. no I think well I think it's hard and I think it's it goes along with a, like exactly what Elizabeth said like you have to be able to get someone to like actually hire you to do this stuff to actually you know so you got to strike a balance between something that is novel enough to be you know groundbreaking but not something that's so novel that people kind of look at you funny and go really you know, you're trying to do cold fusion or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. Wish that was real or that we figured it out. Oh, man. I that wish it was, that. too. I wish, I wish we figured out how to create superconductors. That would be amazing. Well, R- room temperature ones. Room temperature. Yeah, yeah, we already know how to. Maybe that's your future, Tarek. Room temperature superconductors? <laughs> I don't if, know. if the whole medicine <laughs> thing doesn't work out. Yeah. No, actually, I'm thinking about those things. You know, I, I, I'm not, medicine doesn't work I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, liquid metal cooled. Uh, nuclear reactors uh, or liquid salt nuclear reactors. I think that's a good that's a good next direction. Fascinating. Well, I think like to bring it back to medicine, just this past week we had um, an integrative medicine lunch and Dr. Pam Trepain was our guest speaker and we were kind of talking about this less along the hard science research but how to bring and implement programs like um, lgbtq centered healthcare and those sorts of things that like programs that were built here at iowa from the ground up and it ties back to like what elizabeth said about having kind of that infrastructure support general like support of the community at large iowa city itself is like very um, welcoming when you compare it to a lot of the other conservative areas in iowa and you know, we kind of probed with her. We see a need in a lot of these places where the ignorance is greatest and where we might need to personally take responsibility for going there. And how can we do that as physicians without maybe the support of a community or an institution backing you up when you're meeting a lot of opposition? And she tied it back to, you know, not everyone is necessarily called to do that. And it's a big factor um, is personal resilience and your tendency to burn out and things. Some of these scientists, some of these doctors might, you know, not realize that that is their kind of kryptonite that they're constantly seeking after something they might not find or that they might not be able to do on their own. Um, So kind of evaluate the kind of person you are, the kind of scientist you are, what your overall goal is in your population that you're seeking to help before you 
kind of engage on that maybe lifetime endeavor. How old was he? How long had he been working when he discovered penicillin? I don't even remember the story. Yeah, I don't. But and what had he done before? You know, so like we can't just put all the drop these scientists out in the middle of nowhere and expect them to be able to fabricate that out of nothing. You're saying scientists can't perform under pressure? I don't know. I can't even. They can't perform magic. Now I just want to say under pressure. (laughs) Well, that brings us back to the. Just me. (laughs) I mean, that does bring us back to the idea of like, you know, doing important work like reproducing studies that have already been done. uh, uh, Basically doing the small things in science that are, you know, nevertheless important, but don't get as much recognition. So. I guess that's part of resilience. Yeah, and I well, and because maybe that's your maybe maybe you're never going to make that breakthrough, right? Maybe you're never going to make that thing that that you know gets you on the on Fox News because because of wine. That is not the goal. <laughs> let me just say, but I mean, but, I mean that's true for every person that's you know doing crazy amazing things. There has to be someone who's you know doing maybe rural primary care, for example, and doing longitudinal care of people. Yeah, but there has to be both. Yep. Yeah, you're not going to make it in nature for, you know, managing a whole, like, town's population worth of diabetic patients. Yeah. But, but it's less. important. It's still important. Yeah. Well, all right. If you failed at science, though, you could probably take solace in your cat's love for you. Yes! Cat Kylie, cat owner Kylie. This is post-exam Kylie today, talking about the love for her cat. So this is a very relevant topic. You, <laughs> okay, take it away. But Kylie, have you ever been concerned that you that those filthy animals that you keep in your in your house that they might make your children schizophrenic? You don't have children. I'm guessing. I'm guessing the answer is a big fat no. John, do you have do you have uh, do you have a cat? You have children. Do you have I go. Cat? I simply I go back and forth between wishing I could tolerate cats. Okay. Uh, like physically, uh, it, I, from aller- from an allergy standpoint, Kylie's and then also a- like hating cats. So I don't know. Kylie I don't is understand. our crazy cat lady. Ar- Arisa was supposed to be here today and she couldn't make it. She's, a, I think, maybe crazier cat lady than, than yeah. Kylie. Yeah, I have seen her cat in Murph before uh, here at the med school. I've oh not God. ventured is to bring my cat yeah. into this learning environment. Well, you might have been concerned that the that you know cats might make your children schizophrenic due to the cat born cat born parasite toxoplasmosis uh well fret no more kylie <laughs> a longitudinal study of five thousand children in the uk has found no evidence that cat ownership during gestation or childhood is associated with psychotic experiences uh smaller studies in the past have used surveys of adults about their childhood cat ownership which introduces errors due to recall um, but this is a big one and uh because they couldn't remember if they had a cat or not if you're i think because they, they couldn't thousands rem- of schizophrenic patients who might yeah. be at the height of an episode to recall whether or not they owned a cat yeah. in the early formative years of their development you've got a couple of confounding variables there that that potentially um but also you know like if you, so this study looked at um cat ownership during gestation cat ownership at the age of four years old and cat ownership at the age of 13 years old and looked for uh, whether or not, you know, there were psychotic uh, experiences. They didn't say psychotic episodes or, or, or actual schizophrenia because one of the problems with this study is that they didn't examine the link between cats and the typical age of onset of schizophrenia. Um, but at younger children's early signs of psychotic experiences. So there's a difference there. 
all, all another problem is that all the researchers own or have owned cats. So that's I just want to know kind of a conflict of interest. Maybe I don't know who who decided that this study was I'm going to happen. The same thing. Like, like no, what hypothesis is? So I've always heard like, and when my mom was pregnant with my younger siblings, I remember her not being able to scoop the litter yep. box because the toxoplasmosis is potentially really dangerous to wow. pregnant. And, and it is dangerous. That's still Different. true. Yeah. <laughs> don't still pregnant ladies still do not scoop cat poop yes. please do not but the th the thing that in, in past few years I've been reading I've been hearing about like I've been reading news stories or whatever that says you know if you have a cat you might be at risk for your children might be at risk for developing schizophrenia because of something that the toxoplasmosis there's an, there was an association between cat ownership and schizophrenia and you know, it's one of those things like, you know, it's it, I guess it turns out to be one of those things like bacon and wine and and. Oh, know. yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is just garbage. This is just a hot pile of garbage. <laughs> I mean, think hot about it. Pile of hot hot maybe? Pile so of if you if you if you think that it's about Toxo, why are you studying cat ownership? Right. Because there are many ways. And in fact, probably most people who are infected with Toxo didn't get it from cat they probably got it from undercooked meat food yeah and so what you really want to know is is toxoplasmosis infection correlated right so it's like you're studying you're just studying the wrong thing yeah i think the problem with that is that's not going to find its way on facebook very well no one wants to read that but people will read something that's as crazy as cats and schizophrenia exactly that's just the problem is it here's what interests so the root to, to success read. in science is to make up some crazy idea fine you've heard of the uh, the website what is it uh, spurious correlations where oh, they yeah where no. they basically where no. you can select data so let's say um you, you can select two variables like um car ownership versus the likelihood that you're going your head's going to explode and there is often a correlation between these two things that don't make any sense um sounds dangerous it is it's, it, i mean it just goes to show you that correlation is you know and sometimes the correlation is really high now hold on a second that might make some sense because me and kelly are from la and i've had my head almost explode while driving before so yeah i mean there might be something we have there good so, right. yeah okay fair enough um but I've heard other things with cats, too, not just schizophrenia, but depression. And they try and pin a lot back on our furry feline friends. And there was a doctor. Love them so. There was a doctor that I worked with um, when I was a scribe in the ER, and they knew I was a cat lady. And he would, like, meow at me every time I, <laughs> that he saw me and, like, just babble off these random statistics of people with cats um, because of the toxoplasmosis are more, more prone to depression and mental illness and have higher rates of suicide. And Rude. I know that. And also, it's like you can't rule out the confounding variables of like people who own cats might tend to just own cats and be less social and have less of a support network around them and therefore more, more just prone to depression and killing themselves because cats are not as fulfilling as human relationships, or so I've been told. I know you seem pretty happy with your cat, though. Yeah, we're in love. Here's a spurious correlation as an example, better example. From TylerVegan.com, who runs the Spurious Correlation Correlations uh, blog, uh, U.S. spending on science, space, and technology correlates with suicides by hanging, strangulation, and suffocation. Uh, and of course, now I can't scroll. There we go. So this is the 
I wish I could show, but this is the graph of this correlation. And it's pretty interesting. People can't handle the truth. People can't handle the <laughs> truth. I don't know what it's telling me. Or the lack of There gravity. it is if you're on Facebook Live. <laughs> but basically, the, the two curves are very closely, we're following each other very closely. Mm. That website sounds more vile than the onion. Go for it. It's, it's very interesting. Vile? Yeah. I wouldn't have said vile. I would say vile because I am I, I know there's somebody out there using that and then that's actually how they're gonna try to yeah, but that's get the, a group going. That's the point of the, the problem of the user. That's the problem of the of the viewer. You know, there's if you're stupid enough to look at an onion article and go, Oh, that's real life or We just had a whole just, lecture. Yeah. We just had a whole lecture on how People, I think what they say, uh, most Americans only have a third grade reading level. So that people are claiming alternative facts. It t they found that the average reading level for Americans is about seventh to eighth grade. Okay, so stupid yeah. is the wrong word. Uh, ignorant. Maybe. Well, yeah, but they don't. We don't understand how much other people don't understand about medicine or science or things like that. And you can't put that blame back on someone for just choosing to be ignorant. But let's like pin it back on the failure of the American education system or, you know, just there are so many neural networks that we don't know that contribute okay. to the intelligence, the ability of people to perceive these things. I, I guess in, in that light, I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, I wouldn't characterize the onion or spurious <laughs> correlations as vile uh, uh, because the intent there is not to deceive, but to satirize or high or in the onions case or, to highlight the fact that uh, correlation is not causation. Yeah. And the, apparently they're not aimed at the third grade reader level or, or the, the third grade education, educated population. And I guess that's a problem, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to claim that we, that, that things, that, that things are vile because they don't uh, adhere to the, I to, to to the third grade reading level that we're all I you know I thought it was common knowledge that the onion is a satire and you would be surprised and I I no, was surprised we were, let me yeah. let me tell it's you true. I decided to let my Facebook go public and and so when when some of my friends would like a something I posted then their friends would end up seeing it people I don't know at all mm -hmm. and. I posted something to the effect of like uh, Mike Pence is upset that um, all these husbands let their wives yeah. out of the house yeah. for um, to go on the woman's march. Right. And the number of non-ironic comments on that post, which was clearly from the onion, like, I can't believe he said that he would never say such a thing or something like that. Like, uh, it was terrifying, legitimately. I guess satire could be hard to recognize. Okay, tangent. Back to this whole lecture. We just we don't do on tangents the, on the show. On what the reading level? Um, so there's an extension in Microsoft Word. If you're typing up your own paper, like when you go to review spell check and grammar and look at your words and sentences, it does a readability analysis. So I'm sitting in class as she's telling us this, and like pulled up one of my recent reflections I wrote for. Uh, you know, medicine and society, and it tells you what level you're writing at. What, what level did you write at? Oh my gosh, my ECE, my early clinical experience reflection, was a 12th grade level. Hey. Proud of you. Hey. Proud of you. <laughs> then I analyzed my learning issue on, um, like, 
Lois Dietz syndrome, and it said it was an 11th grade. <laughs> that doesn't like, make sense. Yeah. So I don't know how reliable it is, but go home and like check your medical school applications and see what level you're writing at. Just tip for all the listeners out there. That program is probably using an algorithm that just taking into consideration syllables and spacing and length, not so much the meaning of a word to identify that. Because, you know, it's like 12th grade level might just be grammar, syntax, and length and size of words, not whether you use a big medical term versus a small Right. Or the fact that you you used a bunch of big jargony words, but then you didn't write full sentences or something. And therefore it knocked it down a peg. I am writing as full of sentences as any good senior in high school can write. (laughs) So I'm damn proud and you cannot take that from me. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't dare. We wouldn't dare. Do you know how to use the semicolon? Yeah. Honorary 12th grade. Uh, and I even d- know degree what, right there. I even know what the semicolon <laughs> tattoo is about, so I am well informed. What's a semicolon? Yeah, I tell ask. me about the semicolon tattoo. It's fine. Okay. What is the semicolon tattoo? So the semicolon tattoo plays on the idea that a semicolon breaks up two like distinct, what could be two distinct sentences. Um, so where you could have per- put a period and ended it, you decided to keep going. Um, so people um, for like suicide awareness or people who have thought about taking their own lives get a, su- a semicolon tattoo. In an oh. effort to say, like, they could have stopped their lives and they chose to go on. That's pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. That's one I of the better knew. metaphors. The life I've, is a metaphor, honestly. Yeah. There have been a lot of metaphors I, uh, in the Carver College of Medicine <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> I just like it. It's 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 a uh, as a as a as as, as a I, I, somebody who fancies themselves a graphic designer. Um, I like Are that. Are you talking about you? I'm talking about oh, me. Because okay. Tarek <laughs> t- has done graphic design before. Yeah, I have. And I, I just like that visual metaphor right there. It's like visual stuff appeals to me like that. So. Interesting news about same-sex marriages. Uh, bef- you know, so I'd like to point out to some of our socially conservative friends out there that a study in JAMA, because we have so many socially conservative friends on this <laughs> podcast. Um that a study in JAMA Pediatrics recently uh, determined that in states with legal same-sex marriage, suicide attempts are significantly reduced. Um, and there is an even greater reduction among LGBT teens. I didn't say T because I'm not sure about that. It didn't specify that in the article that I read. Um, in those states, there were more than 134,000 fewer suicide attempts in states that allowed same-sex, mar- same-sex marriage um, up to uh, January 2015 than states that didn't. As a public health measure, that's an interesting idea, you know, uh, that public policy can, can really can uh, affect something like, uh, something that seems intractable like suicide. John's Let it out. bursting at the seams here because I know exactly what he's going to say. I, lo- I, I love that freedom and that opportunity, but I also worry, like, again, we're talking about correlation and causation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I also kind of wonder, like, are the kinds of places that are going to allow same-sex marriage or were initially uh, before it was ruled to be constitutionally uh, okay, was were the kinds of places that are going to have, you know, more shelters for LGBT youth or are going to have more social support systems are going to have, you know, better funded mental health. But mm. at the same time, I mean, they're looking at the same data from before and after in similar locations, right? I'm not sure that that's what they were looking at, to be honest with you. Oh. I'll post the article. You guys can 
decide for yourselves. Because what they said was they were looking at states that had that permitted same-sex marriage versus states that didn't. Oh. And I'm not sure that they're looking at before and after. So that that is a potential problem. That would seem more practical to see if the rates declined before, you know, from before to after (laughs) the legislation was passed for reasons that John states. I just had to look at your name tag (laughs) to make sure I said the right name. (laughs) This is awkward. I'm awkward. That's fine. But this is a pretty, the the researchers say permitting same-sex marriages reduces structural stigma associated with sexual orientation. There may be something about having equal rights, even if they have no immediate plans to take advantage of them, that makes students feel less stigmatized and hopeful for the future. So maybe. Well, and and that's the thing. This is part of what I'm getting at. You know, when we want to look at correlation versus causation data, like you just have to give me the burden of proof is going to be on you to give me like a good reason to believe that this that that correlation isn't just a causation or that 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 causation that you're impugning isn't just a correlation right so so if you're arguing well that this is a structural change in the culture of these states and is a you know allowed more open and accepting uh culture of you know these marginalized individuals then I, I I'm on board, you know, and let's keep studying it. So I, I just I just say that out of, you know, word of caution, but not because I, you know, disbelieve it or don't want to believe it. I think it's a great, you know, I think it's a great thing. But it's like if you want to say, here's a good example of the correlation and causation thing, right? Yeah. It's like there's an extraordinarily strong correlation between wearing skirts and getting breast cancer. Now it's dropped a little bit recently. Um <laughs> Because, you know, it's more acceptable for people who are not gender-born females uh, to wear skirts now. It's more permissible, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But that doesn't mean that skirts cause breast cancer. Okay. Does that that make sense? Makes sense to me. I'm trying, I'm looking at the article right now to see if. To see if, uh, okay, so they conducted state-by-state analysis comparing, for example, suicide attempt rates in a state like Massachusetts before same-sex marriage was legalized to the period right after. So there is some before and after uh, comparison going on there. State same-sex marriage legalization policies were associated with a 7% reduction in suicide attempts among high school students generally. So I like what you're doing there though, because um, this is clearly something that most people, including me, don't do, is look deeper into the into, into what is being reported to find out whether what you think you're reading, what, what you think you're being told is, is what you're really being told. Right, I mean, and it's healthy skepticism, because like I said, I mean, I, I want to believe that that's true. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. But but I I want to also have really good reason to show that that would be true. And even though it's just a, a a correlative study, right? They didn't they didn't like randomize people into states or stuff like that. Um, having a time course, all of a sudden, that makes us in a in a very different category, mm-hmm. right? Because now we're showing a correlation before and after. But we have some sen- semblance of cause and effect here. Right. And yes, there may be confounding elements, but I think that's moving the needle towards 
this being more plausible, more valid. Yeah. I would be interested in hearing from a uh, listener who is a social conservative. Maybe we have one. I don't know. Oh, one has written back to us, though, right? We've gotten some feedback that seemed up the conservative. Well, yeah, somebody, <laughs> somebody, so, somebody Jeez. was, uh, there was somebody who, well, so it depends on who you're talking about. There was somebody who uh, said that our discussion on um, post-election post politics was condescending. And then there was another person who I'm pretty sure just read the written description of the show online and didn't listen to the actual show who got back to us who also expressed you know some conservative views my 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 feeling about our listenership is that it's probably pretty middle of the road but i would like to hear from uh social conservatives if there are any out there uh what they think about this sort of thing um because you know we would like to represent the world yeah. not just the world that the bubble that we live in we're about conducting really reliable research so we're not going to just represent one side that's right and it's true here at med medical school i think a lot of students podcast are more towards the liberal end of things but especially in johnson county people's republic of johnson county yeah but within our class there is a very wide diversity on oh sure kind of you know political leaning so hey uh john you took part in a new podcast yesterday didn't you i did it's not really new. We did they did a couple of episodes a while back, but I think there's a renewed push to get this thing out in the world. It's not gods or machines, Jason's. This is Jason's baby, and and yesterday, I guess the the point of the show is to um, discuss uh, short stories and other works of literature in, through the lens of medicine, maybe medical education. Um, you, yesterday, you guys talked about uh, Raymond Carver's short story. Where whose title is eluding me for the moment because I did not write it down. What was it? A small good thing. Small good thing. It was really interesting. I was the you know I hung around for. You should check it out at notgodsormachines.com, and uh, and give that a listen. Where are you going? <laughs> All I have is this over here. Dianas Molkos Mija. But I I thought it was a great discussion yesterday, and um, and we're looking forward to to. Uh, hearing more <laughs> yeah <laughs> um there is there is a cold going around the m1 class and we're just all so close we share our germs and we're studying immunology so it's practical yeah it's real life learning That's yeah right. um the uh yeah so the podcast broadly is about medicine and humanities yeah and that's what we're trying to bring together yeah it was a great discussion. I, I really enjoyed listening to you guys. Um, and you guys always bring surprising stuff, not only to this show, but now to Not Gods or Machines. So uh, that's pretty cool. That's our show. That's it. Wow, that went so fast. It was a short. It was a bit short this week. I don't oh. know why. Um, but, you well, know, sometimes well, that happens. Well, well why, is, why is it over? I mean. Yeah, Tark and I didn't even get to fight. I know. Do we've, you guys want to fight? Though we've got time. What? What's an inciting <laughs> I topic? I have. You, let's let's talk about. We this. could play uh, a game. We could play a game of uncommon opinions. Let's let's talk about how Kylie couldn't run in the airport and how we almost. Oh, yeah, we, we can talk about that. We did have the joy of flying uh, through a connecting flight in O'Hare in a polar vortex together. Together, back to California. Yeah, we, oh wow! But I'd say if Tarek has ever not annoyed me before with his boisterous <gasps> opinions and willingness to get people onto his side it's in an airport <laughs> at o'hare it really comes in handy so I, I won't even fight with you over that but i don't like to run and it's a big airport did you fall down 
I mean, that's yeah, not what I'm picturing. I, I, I couldn't take my life alert button with me, so <laughs> I was just laying there screaming for Tarek. Did you have to convince someone of something? What? Because you can be very convincing. Uh, it was such a long... Honestly, you just talk so fast that I think people are just like, okay, okay, okay. Well, right. Whatever he says goes. That's good. I remember, I remember one of the highlights. We were trying to talk to the American Airlines agent, and then... I, I've never had an experience of having to deal with the stress of an airport with Kylie. So I wasn't kind of sure. So like, <laughs> and just for the record, Kylie. I am extremely traumatized by airports since I was detained alone in a Colombian airport at the age of 19. Oh. But that's that's the, that's a story, story for another day. So, so like I was basically like, Kylie, how do you handle these situations? I just just kind of want to know. Are you kind of cool? You don't yell at her. And so anyway, we had this sort of chat, and I go up to the um, to the American Airlines agent, and my first in, my first instinct was, I gotta make this person very very happy. So I'm like, just sweet talking to her, and I'm trying to say like, I can only imagine all these, all these things, and then, and then she's laughing, and then you know she's giggling, and then I was like, she's... her name was like Shirley, and Tark's like, oh, that was my girlfriend's name, like yeah, right, what twenty something year old? That's girl not what I said. Shirley. Yes, you did. I said, I said, I said, Shirley, that's that's the same name of the one that got away. Oh yeah, and then she got married, and he went to the wedding. It was he's full of shit. Do you, do you have a? I have a very. Do you have a book? <laughs> I have a I have from? a very close friend whose name is Shirley. She wasn't the, like anything near the one that got away, but I sometimes <laughs> sometimes these stories you never know. Like in a stress stress art oh environment like an airport, you know those airport people. The last thing they need is another person yelling at them. Yeah, yeah, so you might as well. Like I've gotten so many like free connecting flights and so much accommodations when I'm stuck at the airport. All I had to go and just be nice to them and say, I know it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Fart. I know it's, it's not. A, <laughs> no, you said it right the first time. <laughs> Anyways, wow. long story short, stuck in the airport, just flirt with the agents and... If your agent is named Ethel, you might want to choose a... I don't know, you yeah. might want to choose a different... Also, I'm going to pull the bullshit flag on the fact that you can flirt with any woman in an airport and get your way. I didn't say any woman. Well... I said American Airlines agents. I guess They're yeah. stressed out. <laughs> yeah. That threshold is much lower when people are stressed out. They just want to hear nice things told to them. I guess you kind of did try and flirt with Robert at uh, the gate, and then I, I got on the standby list above him, so... <laughs> I'll play it, that woman. That's it does It does backfire sometimes, but... But yeah, no, I, 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 I like, I like you, Tarek. This is, this is good well, thinking. Well, I'm glad that we got that. I'm glad that the podcast was a little bit short so we could hear about Tarek's secrets. Plus, secrets I didn't air. yell I, at anyone. I know, but I wasn't sure. Sometimes you can be yelly. And I was like, oh man, I, did, I don't want her to be yelly now because I'm going to end up getting stuck here because she's being yelly. I'll so. have you know, though, that I had... <laughs> I was just not any, sure. Any I, sentence you start with, I'll have you know, don't use that at the American Airlines counter. Well, I had a carry-on bag with me, and he had checked everything. So when we flew into Chicago, like, it was cutting it very close to getting our connecting flight. And rather than stay behind and, like, all right, we're going to get this together or we're, you know, we're not going to get on at all, Tark ran, and he tried to get on the and when I got there and saw the gate door closed, I thought he was on the plane without me. And I, oh, yeah, I was not gonna. I, my intention, chivalry is dead. No, my intentions well, you were weren't flying together. I mean, you might as well have been strangers. Although, when, <laughs> although the person I think that, that sometimes, and I wish it was so true. They, although we're probably not gonna have, to, we don't have time to share the story. But there was a person on that airplane who thought we were together, and I just went with it. And Kylie was losing her mind because this person was trying to give us like marriage counseling and letting us know that we should never sleep go to, separately. Get he yeah. should, I should no, never, never go to bed angry. She's never, telling yeah. me I should never make him sleep on the couch. And I was like, I don't let him in my apartment after 9 p.m. Like, and then she was like, what? That's insane. And then I, and I just went with it. I was like, I know, right? I mean, I'm, 
It, it, she's always like that with me. And oh, I, I have, a, I was I have a, a tent in the backyard. <laughs> we should dedicate a whole podcast to this. To honestly. this story. It was no. fun. Anyway, I just, I just need to clear something up. I ran to try to get the hold the door, not to Aww. try to get on there by myself. The tears, they're coming. <laughs> For all our Facebook Wow. Just wow. Just all right. We'll, I, see, we'll see what happens this break. I would travel with here. you anytime, Tarek. Yeah. Aww. Let the listeners infer the reasons to which I'm driving to California next month. Is it, is it Tarek? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going there for spring break, and she, she can't she can handle She's that like having us. me around. Right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, uh, good. I'm glad we got that out there. Uh, yeah, we, never, we, never, you know, when you got a good thing going, you got to strike while the iron's hot. You're right. When the short coat pa- podcast talk turns into a novella. I well, mean, I was, yeah, when we're on fire, like, don't stop, drop, and roll. I'm sorry. Fan, I, fan I, those flames. I, you guys were so well behaved during the rest of the show, I thought maybe I had, you know, overestimated the spark's potential, but. What do you want to set this place on fire? It's kind of fancy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you have an extra 20 seconds? Thank you. Yeah, sure. All right, so I just want to let my everybody know that <laughs> last week know. I said let, let the listeners know. Last week I mentioned that Doc Dash Restoration will be opening soon. It is opening this weekend. All right. And to our new listeners that didn't hear me last week, Doc Dash is just a five-run kit to raise money for Mobile Clinic. It's only twenty dollars. There's T-shirts. There's food. There's a bunch of other fun stuff. There's Tarek. There's Tarek. There's Kylie. She's Kylie. there. Uh, just go to uidocdash.com and you can register and. Yeah, we'll be fine. We hope to see you there soon. That's fantastic. Ky- Kylie and Tarek are actually going to be the new unofficial mascots of Doc Dash. Well, I mean, I am the mayor of the community that puts She's it on. She's the mayor. And uh, Tarek <laughs> is the, the new coming in chair for leading up Doc Dash. So. I'm physically the chair. The Means mayor's that we have sit to see me. a lot more of each other. Well, this, that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, that's our show. <laughs> I think wait, I, but wait, there's more. Is there more? <laughs> no. Uh, I would like to thank Kylie and Tarek for keeping it together today, mostly up until the end. I appreciate that. It was <laughs> fantastic having you on the show. He actually has that written down, guys. And uh, yes, yeah, see, that's what I... <laughs> and like they, pre-printed before the show. I just assumed what that were, things were going to go well. What would have happened if we didn't go well? What else would you have then I Then I would have read that and said that I'd written it down earlier and was totally wrong. <laughs> uh, thanks also to John and Elizabeth for balancing these two out with your calm, cool... Demeanor. I never thought I'd say that about John, but you know. Uh, and thank you, listeners, for making us a part of your week. We know you have other internets you could listen to, and we're glad that you chose us. If you like what you heard today, share us with your fellow students and colleagues. That is why the microphones smell. Why? Did she spit? She is licking it. <laughs> oh, God. She is licking the screen. Come on. I would like to challenge our listeners to do the following go to itunes leave us a review i would like 10 more reviews by the end of march it is as we record this my birthday's in march do it for yes me. do it for kylie uh leave us a review on itunes uh it does a couple of good things for us including uh sort of external validation that what we're doing is uh is a good idea uh yeah, elizabeth's yeah. birthday is in march too <laughs> do oh, it for me okay. <laughs> right that- actually in your review write who you're reviewing for oh. and we'll see who's more oh. who gets more oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> new unofficial official unofficial contests yes oh my god and our elizabeth no it's officially unofficially official okay. if, okay. if or something <laughs> like that if you have a suggestion for something we could talk about uh, send it to the shortcuts at gmail.com just like polyus did leave us a message at 347 short cp and like our facebook page where we've begun doing facebook live so that you can see how this sausage is made oh. <laughs> 
I just looked down at my phone for a different. second, and then I heard sausage. And <laughs> The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College Medicine Student Government and the Writing and Humanities Program. Our executive producer is Jason Lewis. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox, and our closing music is by Argo Fox. Talk to you in one week.